0: Hey, this is Alex, and you're tuned into the Market Adventures podcast. It's Monday, December 7th, and I feel the need to tell you that whatever you were going through last week is over. It's a new week. You have new life, and I do hope you had a wonderful weekend to close out that week. I'll quote, I want to start you off on this wonderful week and this amazing episode. You can't climb a smooth mountain. You can't climb a smooth mountain. You need some things in your life that are going to mess with you. They're going to shake you up, but they're going to put some notches in that mountain for you so you can stick your foot in and you can use your hands to grip into those hard moments in life. And those hard moments help you climb the mountain. You can't climb a mountain that's smooth. You can't get to the tip top of life, your potential, without having some hiccups along the way. Now, in this interview, we're talking to Lindsay Sutherland. She tells us how she went from her nice corporate job, making six figures, to a cabin in the woods, now doing what she loves and spending a great deal of time with her family. I hope you enjoy. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window.
1: Well, hi, I'm Lindsay Sutherland. I'm the host of the Passive Income Examiner podcast. And um, I currently reside in beautiful North Idaho. I love it here, which was a dream come true. My husband and I had spent over a decade deciding and dreaming about where we wanted to live. And um, I had a I had a high-paying corporate job there in Phoenix. I was in the car business. And it was a great job, Alex. I really, um, I really was a fool for leaving, as many said, but I had this passion inside of me to live my best life. And part of it stems from losing both of my parents at a young age, my mom when I was 12. And then my dad, I was in my twenties when my dad passed away, but he never made it to retirement. And so that taught me that there's just no guarantee of someday. And I couldn't see living my life working for the man, as they say, right? You know, like that you get you're working for the man. I couldn't see myself, you know, doing that for another 20 years. I'd already been doing it for 20 years. I couldn't see it. And then, and then getting to go, you know, live in this pretty place and live. All, and I just told my husband, I'm like, you know, we have got to find a way to live where we want to live. And we would talk about it for, I don't know, any time that I was having a meltdown, (laughs) we would talk about it again because it was stressful. And then finally, um, one day, well, I remember the day it was like super poignant, if I could say so myself, that this moment in time when... We had had my daughter, so she was probably, I don't know, still little, like maybe six or seven months old at the time, Um, and we did have a nanny, and my nanny was awesome, but she, I realized, was like making these memories with my daughter, and I don't know, with each child that we had, I told myself, well, I'm going to be home with them. With the, with this one, by the time they're one, I'll be home with them. Well, here it was. uh, let's see, 2016, my daughter had been, she's my fourth child. She was born. And then I had three others. And my oldest, I think at the time would have been eight. So all these years that I'd been promising myself that I would be home with them. And I wasn't, it was just like a smack in the face when I finally just, I just couldn't do it anymore. And I said to my husband, I'm like, when are we going to stop talking about this and just do it? I'm I'm tired of talking about it and going in circles. And so we looked at each other. It was like this shift. I don't know if you've ever had a moment when something significantly just changes in that moment. You can be, it's like palpable and it was, and he's like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And I said, um, Well, we need to figure out what steps we need to take. And so we started writing down all the steps we needed to take to sell our house and, you know, find a way to get where we wanted to go. And it was just a really um, interesting experience. It was one that I learned a lot from more in hindsight than during the process, which is usually the way things go, right? When you're learning from your own experiences. Um, And then we did it. Like it took us about two years. It was a lot of of struggle. It was a lot of up and down, but it was something we were determined to do. And we ended up finding a log cabin in the woods in in North Idaho, which is what we wanted. And we've lived here now for two years. Um, And we love it. We have a little farm. I've got sheep and ducks and chickens and couple dogs um and and we just adore living here so that's a little bit about me
0: okay so you were doing a corporate job for 20 years um i like what you said in there where you said um you know you had, you had been promising that you'd be home and then you you kind of looked up from your work and you realized you still hadn't fulfilled that promise to yourself um and it's super hard to it's super easy to get caught up with work, you know, fulfilling a promise to somebody else and not fulfilling a promise to yourself. Um, so you've been doing it for about two years now, living in a log cabin, raising your family, and you say you you say you say love it. Uh, how is How have you been handling that change, making all this corporate money to what I would imagine you're making a little bit less money now, but you seem to be much happier?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, that's funny. I'm so glad you said that because... And that's something I've learned most more recently, like in the last six months, like I finally figured out what my mission is here on earth. Like, you know, we're all searching for our, 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 what is the purpose of our life type conversation? And I dawned on me, like the purpose of my life is to live the most meaningful life I can live and leave the most impact. And that doesn't necessarily mean I don't work, right? And when, when for years, because all I wanted to do was be a stay-at-home mom, really what I wanted though wasn't just to be a stay-at-home mom. I wanted memories. I wanted to create memories because after you lose your parents and like my mom, she died 26 years ago, I don't remember her, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't remember her voice or the sound of her laugh. And I barely have glimmers of memories of things that we did together. So I always think about that. Like it is never, it's like a heartbeat away for me is this memory of knowing this, this cognizance that my children, if I die tomorrow, are they going to remember me? What memories have I instilled in them? What would they say about me if I was gone? Those are the things that I think about, which sounds morbid probably to a lot of people. But at the same time, it is a silver lining because it motivates me to get real. Like I, I'm a very deep person and I don't spend a lot of time on superficial things because to me, life is just too important and too special. So that meaningfulness is what I live for. It's what I strive to, to do every day. It's what I wanna help my clients with is to feel like they're making an impact and that they're feeling fulfilled because they know that they're making an impact on their lives and the lives around them. And in some cases, if you know they're in a, a field where they're impacting others' lives beyond just their nucleus family, then all the better. Um, and so really, to answer your question, I just discovered that it didn't require me being a stay at home mom and just spending time with my family, which I did when we first moved out here. Uh, I want to say for about almost a year, I did not work. I just was home with the kids playing you know, homemaker. And I really enjoyed it for the first few months. Like it was really fun for me. But then all of a sudden I started struggling with, well, what is my purpose? Like it's got to be bigger than doing laundry and taking dishes and getting the kids to school. Like I wasn't making those memories with the kids because then I was just in the routine of being the housewife. And I recognized that I did need to grow, grow my income because unfortunately it seems like money is tied to. Happiness in such a way, in one little way, that it it funds the ability to have fun, (laughs) to have memories. And yes, you can definitely have good times without a lot of money. I'm totally down for that. But then there are times, like some of my best memories with my dad is he took me to a concert, or um, like we he he paid for me to go on a cruise once. Like there were these things that I'm like, man, I would never get that time back with him because he was a self-employed businessman and the only time that he really spent time with me was when he was on vacation. (laughs) So that was a really significant, important thing for me and I want to be able to make those kinds of significant memories for my kids too and show them, you know, these wonderful, cool things that are out there in the world Um, and that does require extra income. So I did end up going back into um, getting a job now, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm, I've am i been the primary breadwinner in our family um, pretty much the whole time. And that's one of the reasons that it was even harder to leave my job because I was the only income. When we moved, my husband ended up finding a job, but because he hadn't worked for so long, he, he had taken care of the kids. Um, it was difficult for him to find a job that sustains our family. And so I gave him some time to figure that out. And then I ended up going back to work. But here's the difference. What I do today for work is paying the bills. And like you said, it's not this this high paying corporate money that I had before. But I have serenity. I work eight to five. I come home. I don't have to bring my work home with me. I do not wake up to text messages from the general manager at six in the morning telling me first thing I need to see him, <laughs> where you're just instantly in panic mode. Um, you know, I have, I have balance. I have my home life and I have my work life, but I also have the time and the energy and the desire to. Build another business model so that eventually I can replace my income in a passive way, which ironically never occurred to me when I was working in a corporate job, and I, I truly don't know why. I'd, honestly, I just don't think I had the time to think that way. My, I was so stressed out and so busy all the time that actually, Alex, I just dawned on me right here in this moment. <laughs> I know exactly what it was. Like, may I pivot for a second? um, I had a belief that we have to work hard to make money, which I learned from my dad, my dad being a business owner, he always was working hard, whether he was out finding his next um flooring contract or he was working on the project, he was always working. And that's what I thought it took to make a lot of money, and that's why in the car business you work a lot but you make a lot of money, and that's what I did. And it's dawning on me that there's a better way. And then I was sitting, I was talking to my husband one day, and I said, you know, there's a lot of really smart people in the world who make money without um, working so hard, and a lot of times it's passive, like they they do something one time and then they it it repeats and I was like I've got to figure this out I know there's a way that I could be making money and not be working so hard so I thought I wish I could just interview um, a bunch of people like experts in their field so I could kind of pick their brain and figure out what is it that they do how do they do it is it legitimate because that was something that was nerve-wracking to me was I didn't want to invest in something that was illegitimate that ended up swindling me out of what little money I had to invest. And uh, then I thought, you know, man, I should record these interviews. And then that's when my podcast started.
0: You, like a lot of people and myself included, right? We're all taught that work equals money and that it's a very linear equation. And when you, when you, one goes up, the other one is supposed to go up, right? So that's the only kind of That's the only comparison that we have and the only understanding that we have. And being in a corporate job and making money that even if you weren't tired, like you're probably distracted, right? Either taking work home or just distracted with the fact that, okay, well, all the bills are getting paid and my family's happy at least and we have extra money to do other things that you almost kind of lost what it is that you really, really wanted to do.
1: Well, and I think, too, people get, and I was one of them, would get complacent. You get in a space of acceptance that this is the way life's going to be for the rest of your days, and you just get on autopilot, and you stop thinking about something bigger or better, you know, ultimately.
0: What made you think that it was still possible to do it passively, knowing that he was a business owner and he was still working?
1: So I didn't learn that from my dad. He, um, I had read Robert Kiyosaki's book years ago, The uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and he talks about the cash flow quadrant where you have, you know, a, a business owner, but you're you might be a business owner, but you might you're self employed business owner, investor, or employee. And I know I didn't quite do those in the exact order, but we all know what an employee is. Um, self-employed was my dad. He was working for himself. And if he didn't show up, then the business didn't bring in money. And then there's the business owner where you don't have to necessarily be in the business and it can function without you. And then lastly, investor. And so I recognized then that my dad was not a business owner, which is what we all thought growing up um and of course he has the benefits of, of owning a business but it's just not the same when it comes to having a passive business he had to show up in order to make a paycheck and uh so really he was working for himself and he worked until the day he died i mean like legitimately he just worked and then he died cuz he he didn't have a backup plan and he had some investments he did have some real estate investments but i don't think And and he had other, you know, 401k and things like that. But I don't think he had enough that he could have sustained his life, at least not his lifestyle, based on just his um, investments. So he was in a unique situation where he almost had to work, which I was surprised because he was a smart man. Although I know that the crash, uh the 2008 one did take a little bit of a hit on him, but he was rebuilding from there. But honestly, I just think that what happened is as he got older, it was harder for him to work because his body started to deteriorate. So he wasn't as lucrative his business wasn't as lucrative as it had been you know only 10 years before let's just say and so he was in this weird limbo where he couldn't make enough money so he wasn't continuing his investments and he should have really just been enjoying life like he was at that age where that's what he should have been doing um and that watching him go through that experience is when I was looking at myself in the car business I remember there was this moment where my general manager got wind that I was starting a side business at the time I was looking into doing coaching. And one of my employees must've been watching me. And I said something about escaping the nine to five. And he pulled me into his office and he's like, so Lindsay, this was such an intense moment. He's like, what, um, what are you doing? Are you, are you working? Are you planning to work here? Because we, you know, we really, they really valued me. I had a lot of skills that I brought to the table and he, and, and at the end of the conversation, after he grinded me about it, um, he said, so we're going to work together for the next 20 years. Right. And I just looked at him. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Because at the moment I hadn't, I hadn't already decided on the whole moving to North Idaho bit. At that point, I was really still focused on my job. And, um, I I just that that fe- there was this feeling in my stomach that just flipped upside down. I just could not see myself working for another 20 years, especially there. I was like, oh, it was like I don't know, it just made my stomach just go, "Oh, I can't do this." And I just thought of my dad. I just thought of him like, "Man, I'll be working till the day I die and I'm just not down for that game."
0: I can I can 100% appreciate that. Um, I know my mother is in her forties now and she's got a lot of very vibrant, you know, still a lot of life in her and, um, but she works as if she can live forever. Right. I think that's kind of the, the way that we're taught when we're in our twenties is that, you know, you have your whole life where again, like you said, like, you know, you you've told us today things aren't guaranteed. You know, you and I talked about the your passive income model before the show started. So, I, can you go ahead and teach us a little bit about that cuz I I'm curious to know if it has uh more business side, more investing side and, you know, where your mind is at in terms of building that passive income for for anybody,
1: so it's more of a strategy to, as I say, get out of the rat race, right? We, when Robert, have you ever played Robert Kiyosaki's game, escape the rat race?
0: Me, me, I've never played it, but <laughs> I've read a couple of his books, so I have an understanding of it, uh, just based on anecdotal references in the okay. book.
1: Okay, it's a great game to play, especially with kids. By the way, for anybody listening, I totally recommend it. <clears throat> it's it taught me a lot about what it actually looks like and feels like to get out of this rat race where you feel like you're working but you want to not right we want to we want to reduce how many hours we're working and we want to increase how many hours we're playing but we need to somehow figure out this dance of how to replace the income or grow the income So that we can do that. So in my mind, this, I call it like your steps to financial independence, which equals freedom. Step one is to save. So easily, this is like the least sexy part of the plan. Because anytime somebody says you need to save money, it's like, wham, I don't want to. (laughs) I don't, for me, for years, I had the hardest time savings unless I was saving for something specific. Like I could save a ton of money if I had something in mind, but to just save arbitrarily was so hard for me. Um, and that I've learned is such an important part. You have to pay yourself first. You have to have this cushion because otherwise you end up just blowing any little extra cash you have when things happen and you can never really get ahead. So really step one is to save obviously that six month income is so important. And then I think so many people realize that after COVID it's like, you know, even more in our mindset, like, Oh my goodness, we didn't have enough money. Now we're being furloughed or, you know, lots of, lots of things are happening to people all over the country. And that little six-month cushion could have made a huge difference, maybe even more than six months, but I think that's a good start. Then once you have that, step two would be, if if it makes sense in your life, to increase revenue. Everybody's situation is different. Some people already have that high-paying corporate job. Like I'll just say it for the sake of saying it. On my job, I was making like $17,000 a month. That is the kind of money that I didn't need. To build up a side hustle. If I was using my my money smartly, I would have skipped right over to step three, which would be put my money to work. Okay, but for some people, like in my situation now, where I'm not making that kind of money anymore, um, I'm you know we're making enough to pay the bills, but it's not like I have a significant amount of money I could throw a couple a thousand bucks aside or whatever each month. This time, I would need to increase revenue on the side. And really, it just boils down to finding 10 to 15 hours a week to invest in building a passive income strategy. Um, And then there's tons of ways to do that. So that's something that I dive into more usually, like with a, a client to help them find something that resonates with them that they can sustain because they're passionate about it, those kinds of things. And then step three, once they have that and they have, you know, extra, Let's just say even if it starts out with only being $100 or $50 a month, but ultimately the goal would be to build up to like $1,000 a month to put into um, an investment strategy. So it could be like um, EFTs or dividend stocks or real estate. I mean, there's tons of ways to make your dollars work for you. And so during the time that you're building up, right? So during step one and during step two, if you go through step two, that's the time to be doing the research and really get familiar with the terminology and the understanding of what your plan is and maybe even experiment if you can, you know, try out the stock market with 5 or $10 and just figure it out just to learn. A lot of people, I think, learn by doing. Um, And so just, I say, get in there and try it out. And then step four um, is the last step is focus on building assets to pay debt. So what I like to do is like, for example, my mortgage, I think, okay, I really only need $24,000 a year to pay my mortgage. I can do that how? And I just, I really think about like, how can I do that? If, if my mortgage was paid, if I had $24,000 in the bank right now, and I knew I could just use that money to pay my, my uh, mortgage throughout the year. I don't need to work full time. Like right there. I could work part time, still afford the rest of my bills. Cause we don't have a lot of debt. We had already paid off most of our debt before we moved. And so I'm like, that could be the key. I just need 24 grand in the bank to pay the mortgage for a year. Then I could reduce my hours at work. I could increase my business time and supplement that and focus on building that up for the next um year. So that's kind of the strategy to get yourself from working full time to not working full time or even better, you know, eventually not working at all, although i I personally don't think that that's really what people want in life. I think we think that <laughs> sounds like awesome to go play, but I do from my own experience, I can say that like eventually you start wondering what is your what are you doing here like we're not meant we're humans are meant to be um impactful you know we're we're a society of connectedness, and so we feel meet you know, life purpose when we're helping and serving others. But maybe that for some is like a community relationship and serving in the church or in a nonprofit organization. So having your assets set up to pay your bills could give you that freedom to do something meaningful in that way too. Mm-hmm.
0: Make sure you're here tomorrow to hear how Lindsay actually puts her passive income model to work for her clients. In addition to that, I'm going to be doing a lot more blog writing in the future. I'll be starting a blog for, for the market adventures podcast in addition to doing a lot more guest Blog, So there'll be some more content for you to digest out there on the web, and I'll leave links to them in the description uh, when they are posted. That way, for those of us who are auditory learners, but also like to learn by reading as well, which I'm one of those people, you have some stuff to read for free out there on the internet in regards to the things that we talk about on this show. So, I hope you enjoyed part one of this episode. Make sure you come back tomorrow to hear Lindsay take us through her passive income model and see what that model can do to change your life. You've been listening to the Market Adventures podcast. I've been your host, Alex Cunningham.